Hello, my name is uh, Jeff Parrish. I'm the senior pastor here at Indian Rocks. And I just want to say thank you to you for tuning in today uh, through our live streaming through the internet for our services. And uh, we are glad that you are watching. And uh, I'm going to tell you about a couple of things that we have here at the church. Uh, we are very much a purpose-driven church. Why do we exist? The reason we exist is to make disciples, as the scriptures teach us. But we have a thing that's called C4, which lists out the different things that we want to, we want to do. Uh, C1 is connecting with God, which is part of what uh, the reason that we do this uh, live streaming is to give people the opportunity to find out what the scripture says and what it means to have a relationship with God. It's pretty incredible to think about the relationship, having a relationship with the God who created you. But the second purpose is a place for people to connect with each other. And I can't tell you how important that is uh, because it's more than just being educated in the scriptures. It's finding a place that you, that you fit, that you connect. We have, a, we have a lot of small groups and all kinds of different shapes and sizes that reach out to different ages and different stages of life. And I'd really encourage you to check in to, to plugging into a small group because you'll never feel apart until you find a place to fit in. So anyway, thank you for watching today and, uh, and I hope to see you soon. Hey, if you got a Bible, turn to Exodus. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to, you know, the next couple of months are going to really be cool. Uh, I've got some neat things to share with you, uh, some neat kind of, uh, kind of looks ahead, vision kind of things. Uh, we've got some exciting things that are going to be, we're going to share with you one today, but some, some other things coming up in the next few months are going to be pretty, pretty exciting stuff. But I wanted to, uh, you know, every once in a while, you know, I knew I wanted to start off the year was just talking about forgiveness and got so much great response. It's, forgiveness is one of those great topics to talk about because it talks to everybody in the room. There's nobody in the room that does not does not struggle in one way or another or have to face that, that idea of forgiveness in, in, in its many facets. And so, and then, uh, and then I want to, uh, I want to do, because I got so much great response about just doing simply Christmas, just looking at it for what it says, stripping away all the traditions and everything that's around it and just look at it. And we're going to do one that's going to be pic like a picture of that. You know, we just call it simply Easter. And just for, for a few weeks leading up to Easter, we're going to do that. And so we had this little time in between. And I wanted, to, I wanted to share with you, again, who we are as a church, why we exist. And, uh, and it's, going to, it's going to be pretty focused today. But uh, there are several reasons why we exist. And, and you can take a look at that. We call it, you know, we call it C4 in different directions of, uh, that everything needs to fit underneath those four, you know, uh, connecting, connecting with God, connecting with each other, right? Uh, connected with serving. And, and, and we'll talk a little bit more about that today, but not near as much. And then the connecting with the world. And those are the things that the scriptures have called us to be. But on a practical level, I want to share with you something about I'm entitled today, A Generation Away, okay? A Generation Away. And there's something that's going to, there's something you're going to really want to hear. In fact, it's something that will, will help us keep perspective. And, and keeping perspective is so hard to do, especially, especially in the culture in which we live. And you'll see it. And, and, you'll, and for, the, for the greater majority, most of you say, you know, that Jeff, you're right. That's exactly right. But it is hard to keep that perspective um, in, in, in the long haul. You know, when I think about the impact 
when I think about the impact that one generation can have on another, either positively or negatively, you know, it's, 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 it's amazing to me. Things that we walk around with, things that we carry, uh, things that affect us that we don't even know how they affected us or why this happened. I'll share with you a little bit from my family. Uh, my, uh, my grandmother, um, in fact, she just about a year ago, right? She passed away and she was in her upper 90s, right? And, uh, but she was an interesting person. Uh, she, um, she was extremely quiet. She was not the, you know, overly gushing grandmother, just never was. But she was quiet, she was reserved, and, um, and she had struggles, you know, uh, with relationships, just was who she was, you know, and since she's gone on, you know, now she's, uh, she's dead, we just, it's easier to talk, because I want you to see some things about this, and I didn't realize this, but my grandfather, when I was just a kid, he sat me down and shared what happened, what had happened to her. She, uh, she grew up in a home. In fact, I remember my great-grandfather, uh, her, my grandmother's obviously father, um, he, uh, I mean, he was 15, I was 15 when he died. And so, um, so anyway, when, when obviously he got married, they had my grandmother. Well, it wasn't long before she was two that, that she fell ill and, uh, and her mother died. And so her father remarried and within a couple of years, they had another daughter. Now, I want you to think about this. Hey, I'm not talking about somebody else's family. I'm talking about my family. And I want you to see, the, the reason I'm sharing with you is I want you to see the impact one generation has on another and how it just seems to ripple down, right? And so anyway, so, so what had happened was is that, that her stepmother, you know, grew jealous of anything taking attention away from her daughter. She obviously uh, didn't make good decisions. And back at that particular time, uh, there wasn't, you know, different things. The, the pressure wasn't there as much. And so basically she gave my great-grandfather an ultimatum that, uh, that you, you get rid of her. And so he sent her off to live with her mother who had died's parents or her grandparents. So she was raised alone by her grandparents. And so she grew up with a, she grew up with a lot of rejection. A lot of folks in the room can relate to that. She grew up with a lot of didn't really want yous, right? And isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting that she was quiet, a lot more quiet, a lot more reserved, but it affected her. And it affected her and the way that she raised her children, my dad. And I'm not, I'm not a psychologist and I'm not gonna go into all of it, although I see it clearly which affected who he is, you know, and right to the guy that's talking to you today, right? And you take a look back at those things. My dad is also very quiet, very, very reserved guy. And, and he just happened to marry my mother who was extremely outgoing. And so, and I'm not saying that just if you're reserved that you've got some kind of struggle in your life. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is, is the impact that one generation has on another. And that 
spending time with children, spending time teaching and being kind and, and, and being around them, if you're looking for immediate results, then it's not going to happen. But if you want long-lasting ones, it's incredible what can be done in the life of a child. That's why here at Indian Rocks, I want us to be known as those who have extreme, an extreme commitment to the next generation. And all of us are on that page. All of us can get excited and emotional at one point, but the day-to-day of that is not always easy, if you understand what I'm talking about. But it has such tremendous impact down through the ages, down through the generations. That's a better way of putting it. So I think you got what I'm saying. And I want you to see, I want you to see this picture today as a group of believers, because this is not just, this is not just family either. Because a lot of us are what I would call first generation believers, okay? What does it mean by first? Well, you, you weren't raised in a, in a home, a Christian home. You, you, you came to know Christ through another thought, you know, through another avenue. But you know, most of the time, not near all the time, most time that happens, you know, it's incredible how that happens. Um, in the life of a kid, um, somebody takes an interest in them and, and not, that's not their family, and, and, and especially if the interest is the things of the Lord. And that's why... That's why I I can't tell you, I can't tell you how important what I'm talking to you about is today. Let let me me just, again, illustrations help the the most. I shared this last night and I'll share with you the result of it. Uh, You know, there were, there are a couple of guys and then I could give you a thousand illustrations, but I thought I'd hang on to this one. Um, It goes back to, well, let's start with, with, there was a guy in Atlanta, two guys in Atlanta, one named Andy Stanley and his father, Charles Stanley. Okay? Andy is, is, is today much more contemporary, um, very widely watched and, and had, you know, back at, he's basically my age now, maybe, I think he's older, and we were in student ministry together. And so, and, and he, he was just, he just was a neat guy. But I, don't, I remember one time that I heard his dad, okay? I heard his dad talking, Charles Stanley, and, and he's, he was for his time, maybe a lot of you don't know him, for his time he was on television and God used him in tremendous ways uh, to share God's word with people. I just want to share with you, I actually was at a conference one time where Charles Stanley shared his testimony and it went like this. Uh, basically, he grew up in a single-parent home. His dad ran off, and he said, the, one, the reason that I'm a believer today is because of, uh, because of a Sunday school teacher that took an interest in me and was kind and would include me in on what they do, and he'd drop by and get me for church every Sunday, and he, he walks into the story of... Of, of just a volunteer, right? And out the church who happened to love little boys, children. I mean, how can you do that, right? Girls are easier, but boys, I mean, come on. And so, 
But I'm here to tell you, think about it. The impact that an unnamed Sunday school teacher had on a man that has rippled down to literally today thousands of people coming to know Christ because somebody took some time with a kid, right? And so I think about that. I think about the ripple down effect. I think about where we as a church, where our resources, where our resources need to be. We'll talk more about this next week. God has not called us here to raise children. That's the parent's job. But he has called us to come alongside of parents and to help reach out to kids whose parents don't necessarily, uh, don't necessarily go to church. I can't tell you how many times that picture has happened. How many times that mom and dad will drop their kids off at church and they'll go to breakfast. You know, and therefore it, tell, it sends the kid a strong message. Well, mom and dad don't think it's important enough for them to be here. But it's incredible how that sometimes it's a, it's a person that impacts that kid's life. And when I shared that last night, right, I shared that at Country Church. It is predominantly an older group of folks that are in here on Saturday night, country music. And, the, and they lined up at the guest reception to tell me the story of that's what happened to them. There was somebody at a small church somewhere that would pick them up, that took an interest in them, and that they met at vacation Bible school when their parents wanted a week off. I said, well, that's still going on. And so, and, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it brought out a lot of emotion last night of these older folks thanking the Lord that somebody years ago took an interest in them when they didn't have to, right? Everybody's so busy today, right? Everybody's so, has got their own priorities and their own directions. We're losing a generation, right? I tell you what, it's a time when, when we need to invest the best we have in those areas, right? From preschool all the way up. But it's not just children. I understand that piece. It's investing in the next generation. It's some of you that are marriage mentors. I can't tell you how important it is since people live isolated lives. So many marriages struggle in silence because nobody wants anybody to know that there's problems until they get really bad, right? We have marriage mentors here. Who are marriage mentors? They're older couples who've been married a long time, who've been through a whole lot, who can just share with those who have been married for a shorter amount of time. Hey, listen, yeah, we went through that, but let me tell you, okay? Let me tell you what that looks like, whatever. And it, it just, it, and there's no degree there. There's just one generation who's traveled the road a little further giving a hand to the generation that's younger, right? Does that make sense? So as you think about a generation away, I don't know what that looks like for us, but I do know this. I do know this. I do have verses today. We'll get to them in just a minute. All right. But this is on my heart. It really is on my heart because 
I want, the, I want this church, I do, I want us as believers to, to not be so concerned with what's best for me. That's our culture talking to you. And how can we now take what God's taught us and invest it in another generation? To me, that's who we're supposed to be. And yet we live in a culture, watch it, it's gonna happen tonight, okay? Most of you are gonna watch the Super Bowl or the commercials in between the Super Bowl, right? But I told you, I've told you this before, but I just dare you to do this. I dare you to do this, this is told you this before. I want you to count, just count during the commercial tonight, how many times did they say, because you deserve it? I just want you to count, you'll be amazed. Why? Because they know that that is our culture. You know, what's best for me, I deserve this, that kind of thing. Self-sacrifice, giving to another generation. I tell you, one of the most thankless jobs there, there can be is, is, is working in areas that you're never going to see a whole lot of results, but the impact is tremendous over time. And so as I think about those things, it just led to it just led to today. Let me share with you just a couple of a couple of thoughts, a couple of verses that have hit my mind on this. Number one is the Passover. Okay, I'm not going to talk about the Passover as much as as the celeb as the celebration of it. It's it's pretty much the longest uh, existing celebration, longevity wise, that our world has ever seen. It goes on for thousands of years. Um, and it, it, anything else just pales in significance. But what was the Passover? Well, most of you know, but for those of you that don't know, let me, uh, let me just give you a picture here. Now, you have this nation of Israel. Uh, they, only, they started it with 75 of them, and they moved to Egypt with Joseph there. We talked about that this summer. And, and for, for a while, they were fine, but... A Pharaoh came up that enslaved them because he didn't know Joseph or anything he'd done. And so it was over 400 years that they were enslaved, but they grew into huge numbers. But God made promises to them, right? God made promises to them and through Abraham uh, that he's going to deliver them. And this deliverer he was going to send uh, would take them to a place that God, a, a promised land, right? That God had promised to Abraham. In fact, when Moses led them out through a series of things, they, they actually got to that land. And what's amazing is, is that they're still there today. I mean, obviously they came back to it, but it's, it's a remarkable story. There's a lot more to it than I'm gonna have a chance to share with you now. But anyway... Moses was sent to them. And Moses was sent to deliver them. And how God was going to deliver them through Moses is pretty significant. So significant that they celebrated it every year for thousands of years. Because God told them to celebrate it so that they wouldn't forget this story. What story? Well, God sent a deliverer, Moses, to deliver them from their slavery. Therefore, it became a picture that God did not want forgotten. And the picture is, okay, 
that a deliverer one day is going to come. I'm going to sin. He's going to deliver you from your, from your sin. As opposed to Moses came to deliver them from their slavery. Christ came to do so, so you see this incredible parallel. This story that God wanted, to pres- wanted preserved. That for those who had ears to hear and eyes to see, they would see that God had been writing this story for a long time. And so Moses came into a series of plagues, if you know about it. The last one, one though, was the one that was going to deliver them. And it, has, it is celebrated still to this day as Passover. That the destroyer, God was going to send a destroyer throughout the land of Egypt. And everyone who was, who was firstborn was going to die. But then obviously God gave them away. And he talked about taking a lamb, the Passover lamb, as it's known. And, um, and obviously going to cook it and then take, take the blood, put it on the door. And then as the, as the destroyer came by, anyone who was in that house was passed over. So again, you have this picture, right? You have this incredible picture that, that it wasn't, didn't matter who you were or what you'd ever done. If you were in that house that had that on the door, the Passover lamb on the door, then God extended grace, right? It comes the picture. So the picture is incredible. That's not the point today. I just want you to see this story. And so then let's, let's look at this. Let's look at the passage then now. All right, it says there, Exodus 12, 22, it says, take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that's in the basin and touch the lintel and the, to- and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of, of his house until the morning, okay? So don't leave. And uh, for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and the doorpost, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter that house. You shall observe this right as a statute for you. Here we go in your sons forever. And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you uh, as he has promised, you shall keep this service. And look at verse 26. So what is the point? We're continuing to celebrate this every year. And here it is. Because when your children ask you, why do you do this? Right? What's this mean? You can tell them the story. Right? You can tell them the story. And you shall say it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. And you can tell them the story about how we were enslaved and God sent a deliverer and God talked to us about, you know, about the, the blood on the door, all the different things that go with that. And so it's a telling of a story. And you gotta, I tell you, our Jewish friends are amazing people. They take that verse seriously. It's the reason that every other celebration that's ever happened in history, the Romans had tons of them. None of them still exist. But this one predates the Romans by a couple of thousand years. Why? Because the Jewish family is amazing, isn't it? They really are. I mean, they're, they're, wherever your stance may be, it is remarkable to watch. Because it tells a story, and there are very few Jewish kids that don't know about Passover. But in reality, what is Passover? 
it's God's plan. And it's the reason, you do understand that the Lord's Supper is the Passover, right? Just in case you hadn't picked up on it, right? You have the unleavened bread, which was all part of the supper, and then you have the cup. And Jesus shared with the picture of what Passover was. So this, this celebration that had lasted all down through the ages, but it happened. Let me tell you what, the only, the only way it was going to continue was to pass it from generation to generation, right? And it only takes one generation to lose it. One generation to lose it. A generation away, right? So I don't know. I look at those things, and that's, that's incredible to me. I don't know if you've ever been a part of a Passover supper. I have uh, several times. A Passover supper or a Seder supper. I remember where I, the, the church I came from when we were a lot smaller over there. Um, I just thought it'd be a good idea. I brought a rabbi in just to, just to teach us. And, uh, and he came in and, uh, and we set up the stage up here for a Passover supper. And, um, and so this is the way we did it. We decided we weren't going to let everybody else participate. We're just going to let everybody else sit in the audience and watch. And then I was going to eat it. And uh, it's, not, it's not the most tasty of meals if you've ever been a part of it. But remember this, it's not supposed to. It's telling a story. And um, it is pretty remarkable. But I remember one time is that this rabbi was going through all of what everything meant. And he said, now, pastor, take those, uh, look like grass to me. And I want you to dip that into the salt water and then I want you to eat that. And they were bitter herbs. And the sensation that hit my, my, my mouth could not be hidden from the crowd that laughed out loud. Does that make sense? Because I got that in my mouth and I just was, and it was everything to swallow it. But what it did was it left with a taste sensation this thought of the bitterness of our slavery and the salt with the number of tears that were shed because of our slavery. Every little thing about that, every little thing about that was designed to teach the next generation what God had done for them. And I thought to myself, and I thought to myself when I read across that, I said, I said, so, oh, good timing. Thank you very much for that. When I think about, when I think about that, to me, it's not all that we're supposed to do, but it is one of, it is one of the major directions, if you will, one of the major responsibilities that we have, okay? So number one is what I'm gonna call the Passover. Number two, number two is what I'm gonna call the promised land, all right? Promised land. Now, if you know the story, they left Egypt and they went through um, they went through the Red Sea. If you know the story, and then they went to Sinai. Things didn't work out real well there. Uh, golden calf situation and all the different things. So they had to wander for forty years, and eventually God took them to the Promised Land to conquer the Promised Land. And that's what the that's what the uh, that's what the the story of Joshua is. Joshua is a fun read. Um, and, and, and it describes that 
a group of people that have trusted and learned to trust God and are trusting God and, and how God can use someone that trusts him. And, and so Joshua leads the people and they conquer the promised land. God gives them the ability to. And they come to the end in Joshua, the end of Joshua's life. And, um, and, and Joshua gives them a final speech, right? He gives them his final speech. And it goes, on, it goes on to say there, take a look in chapter 24. You can just look at the screens here. Of Joshua verse 14, it says, it says now therefore, for, therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. In other words, sincerity is a picture of knowing what you're doing. Uh, sincerity is that the outward actions represent how, how you're really thinking and who you really are. The opposite, the opposite of sincerity is hypocrisy, okay? And so sincerity, so what he's saying here is don't let this drift away from who you are and turn into just outward stuff. And I'm telling, let me tell you something I've learned about, especially when I was in student ministry, is that kids can pick up, they're better than adults at this. Kids can pick up if you're sincere or not. Because a lot of times we don't put on an act in front of a kid, right? And they can pick up on it real fast. And I'll tell you what, it's important for a kid to see it. I know in my kids' lives that they'll all tell you their dad is not perfect. They'll every one of them tell you that. And no, don't ask them, all right? But the one thing that I wanted to make sure of is that it, they know that their dad's not a phony. It is who I am and it is what I believe. It is, I don't, I don't follow it perfectly. I've got my moments, I've got my days, I've got my mistakes. I have never ever tried to in front of you hold myself up as some kind of glowing example. But I will tell you this, I do know this, is that it is, it is, it is what I believe sincerely. And, and a kid needs to be around people. Does that make sense? Because all they ever see in this world is facade. All they ever see in this world is a PR job, right? Public relations, here's the facade. We don't really care what we are. We just care what you think we are. And so any parent that tries to prop up that facade that we're the perfect family when they're not, the kid sees it sincerity. So Joshua says, serve the Lord from your heart with, with sincerity. Don't try to be perfect because you're not, right? That now therefore fear the Lord and serve him with sincerity and faithfulness. Put away all the gods of your fathers, right? That you served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. If it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, then fine. Choose you this day whom you're going to serve, whether the gods of your fathers Served in the region, obviously on the other side of the river. The gods are the Amorites of which in the land you dwell. He says, but for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. That's a kind of a famous quote there that Joshua made. You can do what you want to do, but I'm telling you what we're going to do. And then the people answered, you know, never, we're never going to, whatever, whatever, whatever. And you can read the rest of it. But then something happened. And this is something for all of us to learn. Is that... Joshua is as great and fun of a read as it is. The very next book is Judges, and it is the worst. 
Okay, it is the one of the ugliest books in the entire Bible. Just such debauchery, such violence, such evil thought. You know, the one of the last verses of Judges said that everybody did what was right in their own eyes. So it just was chaos, right? It's kind of getting to where we are, where everybody thinks they set up their own truth, right? It's whatever I want is, is what's right for me kind of thing. It's the same concept, but what comes with that is a lot of, a lot of messed up stuff. But anyway, that's, that's going another direction. I didn't mean to go there. Let's get back to Judges. So Judges, what happened with Judges? Well, we, we find out, we know. And it pertains to what we're talking about today. And I wanted you to see it. Judges then is the next book as Joshua is just about to die. He says, me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You do what you want to. And now I said, no, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. Okay, great, 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 great. And here's what happened next. Joshua chapter two, verse eight. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, says that he was a servant of the Lord. He died at the age of 110 years, okay? And they buried him within the boundaries of his inheritance. There's a lot there. There's not enough time to talk about it. In Timnath, Harris, okay? In the hill country of Ephraim, uh, north of the mountain of Gaash, right? Look at this. And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. And this is one of the most tragic things you'll ever hear. But the next generation, there arose another generation after them that did not, right? Who did not follow the Lord, who did not had never seen, right, what God had done, who'd, who basically, it was lost on them. You know anything about this story of Judges and some of the part of the kings, Israel went through some really dark times where if it hadn't been for just a handful of faithful few, they would have lost it all. But I want you to understand that there was a, a responsibility that was lost between one generation and the next. Now, don't get me wrong here. Don't, please do not take with you just because, I mean, because you can, you can raise a child as well as you know to, to serve the Lord, love the Lord, but in the end, they're gonna, have their own, they're gonna have their own choices. And yes, I have seen very good parents lose their children to this world, I have. And it's amazing sometimes, I've seen very, very, very bad parents have kids who love the Lord with all their heart. And sometimes I don't know how that works, all right? I'm not saying I have all the answers. I'm just telling you that I know that God's given us a responsibility because we are his, we are the church. What is, I'm not, when I say church, I'm not talking about an institution. I'm not, I'm not talking about denomination. I'm talking about you if you're his today. It's a responsibility that we have to share with the next generation the difference that God's made in our life and to take the time to, to let them see um, in us. Which comes to number three is our responsibility. And I'm just about done, all right? Just about done. But I wanted to take the time to share it with you. I'm excited about it. I'm excited about, about the coming days. I'm excited about the energy that I see around those within our, that area of our church. That they, I'm telling you what, some... It's incredible. Some of them live, eat, and breathe, these little ones. You know? It's unbelievable to me. 
this, this great picture. I don't know about you, but I, I don't have that gift. I love them. I can roll around the floor and we can all laugh, but, but there's a gift, there's an art to it. And I've just kind of told our guys whatever they need. Take a look at this picture in, in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. It says, for the love of Christ, you see the word control there? It's not a great translation. Some of the older translations have it as constrains. That's a lot better. Constrain means driven. Control means robot, right? It's not robot. It's driven. It drives us. It energizes us. That's another good word. It says, for the love of Christ energizes us because we have concluded this, all right? That one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who might live may no longer live for themselves. And that's a tough thing to do, especially in the culture in which you live. When everything you're taught and everything your kids are taught is that if you don't, it's all about you, right? In your own little world, you make up for yourself. You know, here I am over here and I'm calling this Jeff world, right? And I am boss, I am God of my own little Jeff world and you're not gonna get into Jeff world unless you do what I say, whatever, whatever, whatever. But I want you to understand this, look at this. Look back at it, it says, that those that are his are no longer to live for themselves. It's a hard thing. And this is a great quote. And I'm, I'm about to say it. It's a little scary, isn't it, all right? But it's a hard thing, learning to get over yourself. But it is one of the first things that a child needs to learn. The happiest children are the ones that are the ones who are taught that it's not all about them. And the most unhappy I've ever run into are the ones where everything is related to them and how it affects them. But as a believer, as a church, as ministry to that age, right? It's one of the most selfless things you'll ever do giving up time to work with a child, right? Because you probably will never see the results of what you're doing, but you are having an impact probably at a time that's the most important. It's an incredible thing. So that we should no longer live for ourselves, but for him, right? Who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard regard no one according to the flesh. That is no one according to the the person that they used to be. Because if you're in Christ, there's something different. Even though we once regarded Christ that way, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. So we don't look at you anymore. We look at you different if you're his. Because anyone who's in Christ is a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, look at this, and he's given to us the ministry. What does the word ministry mean? It just means to serve. The ministry of reconciliation, that is the message we talk about at Passover. That is the message that that represents in who Christ is. And so it's to me, as I, I'm just about to be done, but I just wanted to take, we're gonna, we're gonna share this next week also, but I just wanted to take this time to, uh, 
to focus again on, on who we are. And, and it's been a while since we've focused on these areas of our church. We've got some exciting things coming down the road, right? And, um, and we have really, really seen the need for a good long time to, uh, as I've told you, I, I've kind of told those guys, you tell me what you need. I may not be able to get them any, everything, but I can get them the things they need. But, uh, but we're, uh, we're going to here in the next, uh, in the next few months, we're, gonna, uh, we're, looking, at, uh, we're looking at building uh, a building here on our campus that is totally dedicated to the ministry for children. And uh, to me, and it's going to be one because it's a different day in which to do this ministry, especially with children. You got to do a whole lot of different things. And it'll be a building that will be equipped especially to do that ministry. And so I've been wanting to focus on this whole long time, but we thought it would be just a perfect idea to share everybody, not just, here we go, not just that we're going to build something, but I wanted you to see why. Because it represents what's important to us. And there's nothing more important than that. There are some things that are as important as that, but there's nothing that's more important than that. So our middle school and our high school, they have their own buildings, right? Their own places to do that. So there's our preschool. There's this area of these, these group of kids and, uh, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And this is just this is the beginning, not just the beginning of building. This is, this is, we're just gonna do this, but let me tell you something. We ha- as you leave today, okay? As you leave today, we have a, we have a little brochure uh, about this building. And this is just a first blush one, right? And uh, it says forward on it. And you can grab one. In fact, we had a, we've, I think we've got a lot of our children that are out in the lobby that are gonna hand out these out. We wanna get them involved. Why? Because it's, it's their area. And this, this, this crowd in here is, is, is probably in here in HD is a lot different because you represent the majority of the parents who have these children, right? And I can all tell who you are because you're smiling right now. But I want you to understand that, that the rest of us, even though, hopefully, I will never have children in that area again. All right. I've learned to say, I've learned to never say never. Does that make sense? Remember what happened to JJ? But anyway, um, I, but that doesn't mean that I've lost the vision of the impact that, that we can make in children's lives. So anyway, I uh, want you to pick these up on the way out. Now, let me tell you what this is gonna do, okay? Let me tell you what this is gonna do. There's not tons of words in this. So what this is going to do is it's going to leave you with a lot more questions and answers, okay? Cometh back next week and we will share with you all of the rest of it. But I just wanted to introduce it today because this is more than a building. This is just a focus to, to obviously show where our priorities are. And obviously this area is a big priority. So make sure that you grab one of these on the way out. So anyway, I'm gonna do this next week too and share with you a little bit more. Uh, we've got some different videos, different things about it. And, uh, and we'll be telling you more about what that looks like, all right? But I am, uh, I am so looking forward to to especially these next few months because we've got some, uh, we've got some neat things upcoming that are, that are gonna be exciting as, 
as exciting as this. So, and by the way, uh, our committees are really excited uh, about this particular, this particular um, uh, thought of what of, of building a, a children's center that can that can house the ministry that uh, we've been wanting to do for a long time. So looking forward to it. All right, let's all stand. Let's all stand. We'll have a word of prayer. Come on up, Anthony. Hey, guys, um, want to remind you again, if you're a guest with us, um, dinner with the pastor is Tuesday. So if you want to get in on that one, it'd be a perfect time to because it's just this coming Tuesday. I love I loved that dinner because it gives me a chance to talk with people who are new. And so, um, so it's no cost, and, uh, and you can uh, just stop one, by one of the desks out in the lobby area, and then uh, you can sign up. But, uh, but that's this coming Tuesday. We do them every month if you can't make that one. All right, God bless. I'm headed to the guest reception. Love to get an opportunity to, uh, to meet you today also. All right, God bless. Anthony, why don't you close us? Thanks, Pastor.